Well, we are in part number five of a four-part series. <laughs> Next week will be part number six of a four-part series, but we're glad you're here with us this morning for part number five. We've been talking about messenger, and we've been asking this question, what if God really is trying to speak to you? What if God really is speaking to you? And what we've been saying in this series is that we have been asking you, almost begging you, to get into God's Word. Daily, getting into God's Word. And I know, I know, I know that His Word is so old. I mean, it's ancient. It, it, it is among the most ancient literature. Some of the books, some of the most ancient literature out there, it is old. Yes, it's old. But we're telling you to dig into that very old ancient literature every single day because of this. You will find Jesus inside of that word. And Jesus will change you. That's what we're saying. And this morning I just simply want to give you an example. That's all we're going to do. So let me kind of catch you up. Let me, let me ask you this first. We're going to be this morning talking about that thing. And for you, that thing that you've been carrying around with you, that thing that maybe you've been struggling with, maybe it's been days, could be weeks, even years. That thing for you that, uh, that weighs you down emotionally. And as you think about that, or as it is heavy on your mind, it just, it takes you to a dark place. That thing. And it's different for all of us, but there is one thing for sure. We all have that thing, whatever it might be for you. I do too. I've, I probably have more than one. We all have that thing. So what is that thing for you? You know, even the people who were around Jesus um, every single day during the ministry of Jesus here on this earth, they had, they had that thing too. They did as well. Let me give you the context of this story and the, the folks who were around Jesus for this moment that we're going to be talking about. Um, and let me kind of tell you some events that led up to this moment. So here are some of the things that happened. The first thing is that Jesus had just fed thousands of people. And he fed them with just a handful of food, and he fed thousands. And they had so much that there was food left over, baskets and baskets and baskets of food left over. That was pretty, I mean, if, if you want to kind of describe it as a mountaintop experience, do you understand what I'm saying about that? They were on an emotional high. This was pretty amazing what they had just experienced. It was huge, a huge experience. And then right after that, Jesus then heals a blind man. He could not see. Jesus heals him and he can see. Again, this was huge. And it was a mountaintop experience followed by another mountaintop experience. And then Jesus kind of gathers uh, some of his disciples around him. And then he asks them a question. He says, who do the people say that I am? And they talked to him about that. And then Jesus looks very squarely at Peter. And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And this was really an amazing moment and a, a, a really emotional, significant exchange between Peter and the other disciples and Jesus. So again, we have somewhat of a mountaintop 
experience. I mean, they are just coasting from mountaintop emotional high to emotional high. And then Jesus, right after this, right after he talks to them, then Jesus takes a moment to clearly describe and tell them what's getting ready to happen. Jesus said, I am going to be rejected. And they're like, what? Well, I mean, we were up, and, and then he says, I'm going to die. And it's like, won't, won't, won't. It's like buzzkill. Jesus, you're, you know, this, we're up here. We don't. And he's like, three days later, after I die, I'm going to walk out of the tomb. Now, he tells them this clearly, but they're not understanding. They're not comprehending what's really going to happen. And then Peter pulls Jesus to the side. Peter's always saying something. He pulls Jesus to the side and he's like, bro, you really shouldn't be talking like that. that that's not going to happen. We're not going to let this happen to you, Jesus. You, you shouldn't, you're bringing us down. You're being the Debbie Downer. Jesus, you're, and Jesus then takes a moment and he verbally body slams Peter right in front of everybody. So the buzz, the emotional high is now completely gone. And it's like crickets. Silence. It got serious really fast. Now, I can just imagine that the disciples of Jesus are trying to really figure this all out, and they're not making a lot of sense of it. Their minds are probably just spinning. They've been on the mountaintop. They've had these experiences, and then, and then, and then Jesus brings them down. He's like, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to die. And, and their, their minds are just spinning. And I can only imagine that for you... Because I know it happens for me too. There are moments as I am in God's word that my mind is really just kind of left spinning. There are things that I don't understand. There are things that I can't explain. And sometimes my mind is spinning much like what I think may have been happening in this moment after this conversation they had with Jesus Sometimes we're reading God's word and we're trying to understand it and we don't understand everything. Just like as we are living our lives and whatever that thing is that you're dealing with, because I know for me too, I have that thing too for me. Sometimes we're just trying to survive it all. And maybe the people around you don't even know about that thing. Because maybe you smile through the pain and you push through the problem. But maybe you know inside it's weighing you down and it has left you maybe with your mind spinning. So after all of this happens with Jesus and his followers, then this Happens, And this is where we're picking up our story today. This is in Mark chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse 2. It says, six days later, and this was six days after what I just described to you. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He led them up a high mountain to be alone. 
Now, quite literally here, Peter, James, and John, these three, and only these three, out of all of the disciples and out of all of the followers of Jesus, only these three were invited, literally, to the mountaintop with Jesus. Just those three. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus looks at you and he invites you to the mountaintop. He invites you to an experience that may leave you with one of those moments where you think this, it can't get better. It cannot get better than this. But notice he didn't invite everyone. In this moment, Jesus invites these three and only these three. He did not invite everyone. And I know if you're like me, that might cause you to say this, that's not fair. Now, come on, Jesus. That's not that you should have invited guys. What about the other followers? Isn't there at least one other that you should have invited like me, Jesus? Are you forgetting me? And I have a great answer for why Jesus did not invite everyone. If anyone else has an answer, it cannot top this answer. I have no idea. We're not told. But he invited three. They went up to the mountaintop. And here's what happened. As the men watched Jesus, or let me put the comma in the right place. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. Right before their very eyes, in their very presence, as they were with them, right there in that moment with Jesus, he begins to change. Physically, something is changing. I can only imagine that the writer here is struggling to explain something very amazing using the limited vocabulary that we have. And this is the best he could do. Verse 3, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any tide could ever make them. Far wider than oxyclean, far wider. I mean, he's trying to describe with words something amazing. Somehow, Jesus, in their very presence, has changed. He's shimmering, he's shiny, he's white, he's. There's some amazing change. But it gets better. Verse 4. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Now, to us, it's like, okay, that's a great magic trick, God. Uh, Two guys appear, Elijah and Moses, and they begin talking to Jesus. And, And we cannot comprehend the amazement that they're experiencing. Not because these two people appeared, but really because of who appeared. Elijah, one of the superheroes of their faith, they have been learning from and reading about and studying Elijah since these disciples were babies. And then Moses. If you think Elijah is a superhero, Moses is like a mega superhero. Right in front of them, there they are. With Jesus. They are literally on the mountaintop having a mountaintop experience with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. 
and they don't know what to say. They don't know how to respond to this, but it's guaranteed this. Peter is always going to say something, and he does. Verse 5, Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, speaking to Jesus, it's, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah. And it tells us why he said this, because Peter's brilliant. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say. (laughs) They were all terrified. Here they are with Jesus, Moses, Elijah, the superheroes of their faith. It gets even better, the history of their Jewish people. And now, now in this moment, it gets even better. They actually hear the voice of God. Here's how this works. Verse 7. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said this. This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Verse 8. And suddenly when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone. And only Jesus was with them. As suddenly as all of this happened, right in front of their eyes, they hear the voice, and then suddenly... They're gone. And they're with Jesus again. As suddenly as it happened, now it is that suddenly over and it is all gone. Just like that. And this is how the story ends in verse 9. And they went back down the mountain. They went up the mountain. And then they went back down the mountain. Whenever you find yourself, if you're so fortunate to have one of those mountaintop, emotionally satisfying, emotionally high experiences where you say, you can't get better than this with God, one guarantee, you will come down from the mountain. Jesus did not even stay at the top of the mountain. In fact, Jesus is the one who took them down the mountain. He's like, no, Peter, wrong. We're not going to stay here. Peter's like, can't we just stay here? Let's build shelters, tabernacles. Let's, Let's just shelter here. Let's leave all of that junk down there behind us. Jesus, we've made it. We're here with you. Let us stay here. We'll forget everything else, all of that mess, all those problems. Let's just hang out here, Jesus. You, us, us three, and Elijah, and Moses. And let's leave everything else behind. She's like, nope. We're going down. Down the mountain. Jesus walked down, and then it goes on. It says, he told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And listen, that had their minds spinning. They had no idea. Even though Jesus was very clear with them, they didn't understand what was getting ready to happen to Jesus. And then he says, do not tell anyone until I walk out of that tomb. Don't tell them about this. Verse 10, so they kept it to themselves. Here's how you know they didn't get it. But they often ask each other what he meant by raising from the dead. What what is Jesus talking about? And And their minds were spinning yet again. They still don't get it. Jesus has been very clear with them. 
but they still don't get it. So Jesus has these three guys on the mountaintop, and now Jesus walks them down the mountain from a mountaintop experience right into a mess. Here's how that plays out. Verse 14, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, that's the disciples, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. There was a mess While Jesus was with these three guys on top of the mountain, down in the valley, down below them, there was a mess. Mountaintop high, emotional experience up here with Jesus, but down there at the very same time, a giant brouhaha. I mean, it was getting ready to throw down. It was a mess down there. And Jesus knew it was a mess. He knew what was happening down there. Jesus could have walked down the other side of the mountain. He could have avoided that junk, that mess that was gathering down there. He could have walked away from it, run from it, said, hey guys, we're going this way. Shh. But he didn't. He walked right toward and into the mess. That's what he did. He didn't try to avoid it. Now that brings me some hope. Because whatever I'm dealing with, whatever that is for me and whatever that is for you, that thing, whatever it is, Jesus isn't trying to avoid you and he won't. He's not walking away from you. He's not trying to sneak off while you're not looking. Jesus is actually, I believe, walking right into your mess. And that gives me some hope as he's walking into my mess. Because if I can just for a moment, take my eyes off the mess and look up, I can see Jesus walking into this mess with me. Verse 15, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. It's like, finally, Jesus is here, finally. And they ran to greet him. Verse 16, what is all the arguing about? Jesus asked Verse 17, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you can heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground and he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. The father of this boy goes on later to describe how his son has experienced this from a very young age and it has just tortured the family, tortured this, this child. And as a loving father, we don't know this, but it's very likely that this father had tried everything to see his child healed, to see this child get better. Wouldn't you, haven't you as a loving parent done the same thing? anything possible, you would pursue that avenue. And so he probably went to witch doctors and he went to anyone who said that they could heal him, take care of him, make this better. And he explored, I'm sure, all of his options. And finally, he hears about Jesus. I've got to give this a chance. I've got to find out. I've got to fix this thing. 
and I know that's true for me and probably for you too, when you face that thing, whatever that thing is, haven't you tried everything, anything, whatever it takes, something? He goes on to say, so this is the father speaking again. So I I ask your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus, I came because I thought you could. I came and you let me down. You didn't do it. They couldn't do it. I guess they're right. It's just a bunch of junk because it didn't work. And I tried. It didn't work. I mean, they said it worked for them. Jesus, it didn't work for me. It didn't work for my child. It didn't work in my case. It didn't work for that, that, that thing. Did you notice as we read that just a moment ago, the father said, Jesus, I brought my son to you. He didn't actually bring his son to Jesus. I mean, he said that. He said, Jesus, I brought my son to you, but he didn't bring his son to Jesus. He actually brought his son to the disciples, not to Jesus. Just like this father who longed to see his son better. He he longed to end that constant struggle That emotional hardship, that problem. Is it possible that for me, and is it possible that for sometimes you, that we think we've brought something to Jesus when really we just brought it to church? Is it possible that we think we brought something to Jesus, but we really just carried it with us inside of a building? Is it possible that we think that we have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed when maybe the reality is that we have just really thought about it a whole lot? Whatever that thing is for you, we need to bring it to Jesus, not to a church, not to others, not to religion. We need to bring it to Jesus. Now, this next part, it's one of these parts I really can't explain to you. I can't tell you why it's in there. I can't tell you the story behind the story. I have no idea, and it sounds really harsh. I can't explain this to you, but I'm going to read it to you. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? He says, How long must I put up with you? It sounds so cold, but it's there. I'm not going to skip it. He said it. 
And then he says this, though. Bring the boy to me. Verse 20, so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. So the spirit would seize him, would, would throw him in, into horrible convulsions onto the ground. It would rob him of speech. It, I'm quite sure you're probably not dealing with this. But I do know something about what you're dealing with. As with me. I know that there are very specifically two plans for your life. I know that God has a plan for your life, even though you may be in the middle of a mess right now, and it may be your mess that you've caused, or it could be a mess that has been thrust upon you. But I know that God still has a plan, even if you feel like a mess. But I also know this, the evil one has a plan for you as well. And his plan for you is, this, is the same resulting plan that he has for me. And that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To leave you an emotional mess, sometimes a physical mess. To leave you writhing in emotional pain. To leave you to hurt you, to keep you struggling right where you are right now. That's his plan. And it will debilitate us, and it will rob us, whatever it is for you, that doubt it could be a memory that you cannot let go of, and it has a hold of you. And every time you close your eyes, you see that happen again. It may be something that throws you into a seizure emotionally of bitterness or anger or fear or even pride. That thing that the evil one desires to use to steal, kill, and destroy. How long has that been happening for you? And Jesus asked the father here, verse 21, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. Jesus knew. He's just making sure the father knows. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. The father says, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. Jesus, if you can, will you help us? Do anything, Jesus. Do something, Jesus. If you can do anything at all, please, just take pity on us. Help us. Give us some kind of relief. You see, the father... Well, he wasn't a fodder, but the father had faith. 
The father had faith that Jesus could do something. And in this moment, he's just saying, Jesus, just throw me a bone here. Throw me some scraps. Give me something, some little thing. I'm looking for a little bit of relief here. Jesus, give me something. And isn't that the state of desperation that we live in so often when we're struggling with that thing? God, just give me. I know you can. I know you're able. Just give me some relief, some relief. I'll take anything. Just numb the pain for a moment. Give me some relief, anything. But anything, something, just some little thing, that's, that's really something pitiful to ask for. And I don't think it's what Jesus has in mind. Verse 23, Jesus says this, what do you mean? If I can, Jesus asked. And then he says this, anything, everything is possible if a person believes. Jesus was like, what do you mean if, if I can? Everything can happen in this moment, not just a scrap. Everything can happen. In verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Verse 26, then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. And a murmur ran through the crowd. He's dead. The boy's dead. Jesus killed the boy. He's dead. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. That's the story. The father cried out to Jesus, Jesus, I do believe, but I have got to help you. I I mean, I, I have to have your help. Help me overcome this unbelief. I believe, I, I, I believe, but I need help. And Jesus commanded at that moment, the spirit to come out and the boy was healed. You see, the father was wanting his son to be healed. But Jesus was, I believe, as we look at this story, more interested in something beyond just healing this boy. I think as we look at it, it seems that Jesus was more interested in healing the father's unbelief. Before God gives us what we want or what we think we need for that thing, I believe he wants to give us what we really need. Jesus has a way of just getting to that thing that's below our thing. Whatever our thing is, Jesus has a way of getting 
beneath that to the real thing. And when he does that, Jesus will change our hearts. When you really bring that thing to Jesus, he'll change our hearts. He'll heal our unbelief, our our lack of faith or our pride or whatever that thing is if we let him down here. It wasn't when the father brought his son to Jesus. That's not when Jesus healed the boy. It's when the father brought his unbelief to Jesus. And sometimes for you and for me, the most spiritual prayer that we can pray is simply this. Help me, Jesus. Help me. From the depths of our soul. You see, God doesn't want to just do something for us. God wants to do everything in us. That's what I believe. And we all have that thing, whatever it may be for you, we all have that thing. And I believe that if we will bring that thing to Jesus, that he will transform our hearts and what we're dealing with by him dealing with the real thing that's under that thing. And here's what I believe, that Jesus will do that through his word, through his message to you. Do you get it? Do you get what we're talking about? Why we're asking you to get into his word every single day. Why we're asking you to take his word and to hide it in your heart. We're asking you to let Jesus take you from the mountains through your messes. Whether you caused it or whether somebody else has thrust their mess upon you, we're asking you, find Jesus in his word and let him walk you from the mountain through that mess. Jesus will change you. He is me. By dealing with the real thing under that thing. What if God is trying to speak to you about that thing? So, will you get into his word Every single day this week. Will you join us in taking a specific amount of time and getting into God's word every single day this week at some point at some time? And it all starts there. How can we expect God to deal with that thing? If we don't meet him in his word, 
if we're unwilling to get into his word. It all starts there. Don't expect transformation overnight. This is a journey. But we're asking you to get on this journey, to get in this journey with Jesus in his word. Transformation takes time. Daily doses of God's word hidden in your heart over the course of time. Will you join us on this journey? Let's pray. Father, you have allowed us the honor and the privilege of calling you Father. And you want to transform us as we speak to you through prayer, as we seek you in your word. And God, I'm asking, may we be burdened with the desire to seek you in your word every day this week. And Father, may we bring you that thing that we have been struggling with. And God, in your wisdom, will you look beyond that thing and will you look beneath that thing that we bring? Will you look around it and under it? God, will you look for what the real thing is, where you and your wisdom will choose to work? And will you begin there in changing us? And this is what we ask in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, you who died on the cross and rose three days later to make a way for us to connect with you eternally. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.